Well, good morning. Uh, please find in your Bibles uh, Proverbs chapter 4. <clears throat> you know, the beauty of, uh, of streaming services is that you can watch as much or as little of something as you want. Uh, sometimes when I have a few minutes, I'll look at whatever we've subscribed to. And I mean, there are literally dozens, if not hundreds, of options. I actually rarely find anything that I like. So I often just close it and figure I've wasted enough time just looking for something. But the beauty of this also is that you can just watch parts of things. You don't have to watch a whole movie. And one of them, so I'll, sometimes I'll just watch like a scene from a movie. One of the scenes that I tend to watch multiple times, you'll forgive me, I'll confess, it's the scene from the Shawshank Redemption when the prisoner's escape is discovered. Uh, now that's a disturbing movie. I haven't watched the whole thing actually in years since before there was streaming. <laughs> so, um, but that scene I just find fascinating. Um, and I apologize if you have not seen the movie and I just spoiled it for you, but it came out in 1994. So you've had nearly 30 years to see it. So, you know, you've had your chance. But the main character through the course of the movie obtained a rock hammer and over the course of 20 years, basically dug through the wall and hour and a half for us, 20 years for him, he escaped from the prison. He was able to escape because he was able to have something brought into him from the outside. The guards failed to notice that. So the guards failed to notice what was coming in from the outside. The guards failed to see what was going on through the course of these 20 years. And they failed to notice that he had even escaped before he was long gone. Well, that parallels nicely with what we see in, in Proverbs chapter 4. Because it, it builds toward verse 23 where we are told to guard your heart because everything you do flows from it, or because for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your hearts. And friends, I would just say, if you don't remember anything else that you hear this morning, guard your heart. And what we'll see as we go through the chapter is we have to guard our hearts against, just like in the movie, there are things that come in that we need to not allow, we need to watch what's going on in our hearts the whole time and treasure a wisdom that is not our own. But we also need to watch what comes out, okay? We have to protect our hearts from the world. We also have to protect the world from our hearts, okay? Um, I hope that's not a shocking revelation to you. So let's look first at, at our first task here of guarding our hearts. We guard our hearts first by watching what goes in. Now, uh, for our guests, we're uh, in a series of messages from the book of Proverbs, and what we, one pattern we've observed is that we are listening in on a conversation as a father speaks to his son, preparing him for life. So we see something similar here in the first two verses. He says, listen, my sons, this time it's plural, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. So he sets the stage for what he's about to say. And then he does something we haven't seen before. He reflects on what his own father had told him about the importance of wisdom. He says, starting in verse three, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding, 
Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, literally get, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Well, who wouldn't want that, right? But let's notice who's involved here. So the father reflecting on what he heard from his own father. So he received wisdom from his own father. He followed it and has no regrets, okay? So he's the, the father, now speaking to his son, and I hope I don't confuse you. <laughs> I should say grandfather, father, son. Just hang on best you can, okay? Um, when I talk about father, I'm talking about the, the middle guy, okay? So the father, he receives wisdom from what is now the grandfather. This is just getting really bad, okay? This was a lot clearer in my mind at home. Um, the father has received wisdom from his own father. He passes it to his son, okay? He has no regrets. He received it. He internalized it, embraced it, lived by it, no regrets. He's not a spectator. He's not saying to his son, hey, this is what I've heard about wisdom. Hey, you know, my father told me something. I thought he was crazy, but, you know, this might work for you. It didn't work for me. That's not what he's saying. The implication here is I've received this from my father, and it set my life on the right path, and I want you to hear this too. This is what I want for you. I've trusted what my father told me, and it's been true. This is proven, tested, sound wisdom for all of life. And so he's, he's literally pleading with his son to hear it. So uh, this, is, this is like Old Testament evangelism, right? This, he's not a, a spectator. He's a participant. He's a witness. He's testifying. He's not just pleading. He's testifying to the value of, of wisdom. But notice what he heard from his father. Basically, to sum it up, your greatest need is wisdom, okay? Um, and that, that deals largely with, with character, being wise of heart. As we've seen before, it begins with the fear of the Lord. But he is emphatic about this. I don't know if you counted while I was reading, but there are 12 imperatives in five verses here. Now, the word get is there four times, I mean, literally, and all you get, get wisdom, get, 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 okay, you know, we get it. Um, but also, just listen to the, to the commands here. Take hold, keep, do not forget, do not turn away, do not forsake, and then positively, love, cherish, embrace. It's, it's, not, it's, it's mental, it's intellectual, but it's also emotional, it's effective. It's, it deals not just with the mind, but with the heart and the desires, so it's, it's all a, a huge emphatic reinforcement of the importance and the value of wisdom and, and the importance of pursuing it. So the father um, is telling his son, because of what he heard from his father, he needs a wisdom, not his own. Okay? We're not born with this kind of wisdom. And you and I still today, we need the same thing. We need a wisdom that is not our own. We need a wisdom not our own because we live in a fallen world, and it is complex and honestly, pursuing wisdom is a lot more satisfying than having a list of do's and don'ts for every specific situation, isn't it? I'd rather pursue wise character and draw closer to the Lord than, than live by a set of rules. Who wouldn't, right? Don't raise your hand. Okay. Um, now let's notice when the father passed this wisdom on. He says uh, back in verse 3, basically it was when he was young and tender, okay? He was teachable. He was open. So there's an obvious application for parents here. Parents, teach your children. 
Don't focus on their immediate happiness in the moment. Teach them. Teach them they need a wisdom, not their own. Teach your children. Pass on to them what you have received, what you have learned. Most of all, give them the gospel. Proclaim Christ to your children in the home, around the supper table, in the morning, at night. Please, I beg you, teach your children. Teach them by word. Teach them by deed. Teach them when they're young how to live out the gospel. Pray for them. Pray with them. Pray over them. Have conversations about life. Have awkward conversations. It's hard. I've done that with uh, sons and a son-in-law and a daughter. It's, it's awkward, but they appreciate it more than they will acknowledge in the moment. Uh, sometimes I can just say, we can talk more about this if you want. And they say, that's okay. And I think, oh, thank God. We can, we can move on. That's okay. But your kids need to know that you can talk about these things. They need to know they can approach you because they're dealing with issues that, frankly, when, when we were their age, we had no idea would ever be issues. And they, they need to know that they can come to you when the world is just really strange and they don't understand it. So, so parents, teach your children. There's an application for children here. I know most of them are out of the room. But you can tell them that Uncle Preston said this because the Bible says it. Children, listen to your parents and obey them. I see a couple of little ones in here. They're ignoring me. That's okay. Um, children, your, your parents are smarter than you realize, okay? And do I need to do, is there an amen? <laughs> Not from the children yet. Uh, children, you will always have authority structures in your life. You'll leave home and... There will be teachers and there will be bosses. There will always be authorities. Learn now how to live under authority. Listen to your parents. And if you're not a parent, let me bring you back in. You're not off the hook because the family of God grows not by reproduction but by regeneration. So let me urge you to pour your life, to teach, to speak to, encourage, pass on the gospel and wisdom to not only just the children in our fellowship but to the people God brings into your life, not just children, but adults, co-workers, and whoever. Okay, just pass on what you have received. Do it joyfully, humbly, confidently, but recognize that you are where you are, uh, not by your own effort, but by the grace of God. Pass on what you have received. So hear this, guard your heart by making the pursuit of wisdom top priority. Guard what goes in. Pass on what you receive, but put truth and wisdom by word or by song, like what we've sung this morning, put those things into your heart so that you'll be the kind of person Jesus describes in Luke 6. He says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So fill your heart with wisdom and truth and see what comes out. I almost had a Drew moment, brought a tube of toothpaste, you know, so you could somebody, you know, it's going to get somebody to squeeze it, because no surprise that what is inside is what comes out when it gets squeezed. There you go. Probably the closest we'll ever get to an object lesson. I don't know. I might surprise you. Now, starting in verse 10, what we see is that now it's like the, the father concludes his reflection on what he learned from his own father, and he turns back to telling his own son, this is what I have to pass on to you. So starting in verse 10, he's encouraging the son, as we've seen before, embrace wisdom, 
Um, the benefits, as we have seen before, long life and health and honor, straight paths, right? Always by the blessing of God. Sometimes our own wise choices are involved in this, and that's good. We also have to keep in mind that our straight path may take us through circumstances and into situations that don't appear a blessing in, in the moment, okay? We trust God in those times. It doesn't mean he's broken his promise. Wisdom helps us have a larger perspective to not be trapped in the moment and trust him in those times. The path is still straight, but it, it can take you to a funeral home and a cancer ward and, and, uh, and, and other really hard places in life. So know that. That doesn't mean you have done something wrong. Trust the Lord. So verses 10 to 12, that's what we see. Listen, my son, accept what I say. The years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Now, verse 12 points out to us something important because we need wisdom because life moves at different paces. I love the word picture in verse 12. It talks about walking, and it talks about running. Wisdom will help you in walking. It'll help you in running. Life has its seasons. Okay, It's described here in those two ways. Most of life is walking. This is a sustainable pace. Good habit I picked up during COVID, just walking every morning. I enjoy it. Never enjoyed running. I have done it, mainly when I was trying to um, pursue a girl. I caught her, so <laughs> then I stopped running. <laughs> so <laughs> She still runs. Anyway, I guess she hasn't figured it out, right? So, but uh, most of life is walking. And it's at a normal, sustainable pace, okay? We can do this. Life is fairly normal. But sometimes life is running. It means life comes at you. You're in situations that are beyond your control. Situations, decisions have to be made quickly. It's, it's high stress. It, it may drain a lot from you. Some of you may thrive in those situations. I personally do not. But whatever running is for you, it's a situation that doesn't play on your strengths. It doesn't draw from your strengths. And it's, it can be, be tiring. It's high stress. Now, God gives you grace for those times, but you're not meant to live that way indefinitely. Just like you can walk for a long time, you don't run for very long. None of us, very few of us, can run for, for long periods. And I have a colleague in Malaysia. He'll run insane number of kilometers in a day, but I, I think he's weird. So... Um, normal people <laughs> don't, don't run for, for that long. Now, I've had those seasons in my life, okay, when, when I've had to run. Um, about a dozen years ago, a colleague came to me and said he had a, a four-month home assignment, and he asked me to take on some of his responsibilities while he was gone. And he said, it's just... And let me say, anyone who comes to you and asks you to take on something, and they say, it's just... Don't believe them, okay? It's never just that, okay? This turned out to be multitasking all day, every day. And I do not multitask very well. It was not a situation that, that played to my strengths. The four months turned into six, and then to nine, and then to 12, during which time our organization uh, went through a massive restructuring. Um, uh, the, the colleague in question here, a great, great, humble brother, but he took a position in our home office in the U.S., so he came back just for about a month to pack up and leave. A lot of other people moved out. A few others moved in, 
and I was involved in every bit of it. Well, we had a year home assignment coming up, and as that time approached, I had to pass off those responsibilities to someone else. So I had another colleague who had just moved in, and, and I said, um, you know, here's, here's this that was left to me. I need to pass this on to you. I said, it's just, you know, this. And then I ran out the door, you know. <laughs> Thought, that's okay. Pass it on, right? Well, by this time, I was exhausted. Okay, now, God gave me grace for that time. I'm not aware of any catastrophes that happened. We did what we had to do. There no, no massive failures that I can recall. And at my age, I don't recall very much. So it may, it may have been me much worse than I realized. But I was exhausted. I was exhausted physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We arrived in the U.S. Uh, the first couple of weeks, anytime somebody said a kind word to me, I would cry. <laughs> you know, that's just... That's not how you want to live, right? I mean, normally, now, if, if you guys, you know, you guys have been really kind, responsive, encouraging about preaching, and you say things like that, that blesses me, it encourages me. I can receive that, move on. That's good. Thank you. Appreciate that. Take that from the Lord. But at that point, I had no emotional reserves. I, I was so depleted that my emotions were just really at the surface. And so, anytime somebody said something nice, I would just, you know, turn into kind of a mess. Couldn't even leave the room sometimes. Just horrible. Um, what I needed was rest. Just after a couple of weeks of just, just really physical rest, I was okay, relatively. I'm still the stunning specimen you see before you today. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't get any better than this. I'm sorry, I'm, you know, on the decline. Um, you know, I say that to say, God will give you grace if that's where your life is right now. If you have to run right now, then run, okay? God will give you the grace and strength to run. But he has also placed limits on what you can do. He does not expect you to do everything, and you have God-given limits. So you need to find times, find times while you can to have a, a Sabbath and a break, to, to just to have some margin and capacity in your life. But know that you cannot run, you cannot live at this pace indefinitely. You're meant to walk over the long haul. So there is wisdom for seasons of life, okay? Sometimes we walk, sometimes we run. But wisdom also applies to the direction of life. That's what we see in the next verses. Father warns his son against starting out on a path that will lead to his destruction. He tells the son, hold on to wisdom, guard it, cling to it like he has several times already. He says, your life is at stake because your voices call to you and they are offering you the good life, but the outcome is death and destruction. So we need hearts that are shaped by wisdom so that we don't even start down the wrong path. So he says in verse 13, hold on to instruction, don't let it go, guard it well for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked, see don't, don't start down that road, or walk in the way of evildoers, avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go your way, for they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. So notice just how wicked these people are. They're so twisted, they can't sleep until they have done some evil or caused someone to stumble. What keeps you awake at night? Well, it's probably worrying over Something good left undone, maybe a word spoken that might have hurt or offended someone, mistakes made. But picture the scene. A couple lays down at night. Husband is restless. The wife asks, what, what's wrong? Why, why can't you sleep? And he says, well, today I was out in the city and I, I saw an old lady. And 
She was carrying a, a heavy bag, and I just ignored her. I, I wish now I'd stopped and, and tripped her and taken her bag from her. <laughs> like, who thinks that? I just, can't st- I just can't sleep thinking about how much fun that would have been. <laughs> like, nobody, no rational person thinks this way, right? But that is how twisted these people are. Now, some of you are going to totally misunderstand this. You're going to go out in the park market this week. You're going to see an old lady and tripper. That's not what I'm telling you to do, okay? Reverse example, reverse psychology, whatever you call it, okay? But that's how twisted these people are. They are nourished and satisfied by wickedness. It is what brings them joy and life. And think how unlike Jesus this is. Jesus said in John 4, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That is what nourished him. That is what satisfied him. More than food itself was obedience to the Lord. And there's just such a stark contrast. Now, how did they get this way? Well, the point here is they got this way one choice at a time. See, nobody starts out with the ambition to be a restless, violent evildoer. Ask a child what they want to be when they grow up. No child will say, when I grow up, I want to be a violent, restless evildoer. (laughs) Nobody wants to do that, right? But at some point, these started down that path. That is what the father is warning his son against. Now, to be fair, they didn't start down this path from a, a place of moral neutrality. And neither do we. We're all born created in the image of God, and yet we are fallen. Every part of our nature, our mind, our heart, desires, our conscience, our will, everything, our emotions, all are twisted by sin. Okay, we are, we're spiritually dead. And this expresses itself in various ways from the earliest time. We see it in our children. We didn't have to teach our children to disobey. We had to teach them to obey. We didn't have to teach them how to use the word mine. Well, we had to teach them how to use it. We didn't teach them the word. Somehow they just knew that. As the Puritan John Owen said, the one who denies this is not at home much. If you have children, you understand. The emphasis here, though, you think back to to the first couple of verses. The emphasis here is on learning while we are moldable and teachable. As, as he said, he had learned from, from his own father. And that can set our lives in a good direction. So again, parents, teach your children. Children, hear from your parents. Folks, let's pass on what we receive to anyone willing to hear. But the warning here is don't start down that road. There are consequences. As we've seen before, Proverbs teaches us by consequences. The, the consequences of our choices are, and our actions. So that's what we see in verses 18 and 19. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So the contrast here is between outcomes. The the wise or the righteous experience increasing light and the wicked experience deepening darkness. This is progressive. So every choice that you and I make confirms, it proceeds from character and it confirms us in the character that, that leads to that choice. Every wise choice deepens and refines our wisdom. Every foolish choice deepens our bondage and our blindness in folly. And while it is true that like Solomon, we can make a foolish choice after years of wise choices, you have to work harder to do that. You have to tune out more wisdom in order to do that. The longer we live, the longer you make wise choices, the wiser in character you become and the clearer the right path is. 
Now, in contrast, the bondage and blindness brought by folly leads the fool to be surprised when he faces the consequences of his choices. He tells himself he's special. He'll escape the consequences. I have news for you. Despite what your parents may have told you, you are not special. There are consequences to our choices. And sin brings the blindness to us to make us believe we will somehow be special and the rules don't apply to us. But they do. We, it says in verse 19 that the wicked don't even understand why they stumble. Our problem is we make fool's choices and expect wisdom's reward. And instead we pay a fool's price. It's like King David was stunned when he had to face the reality that his adultery cost him the lives of four of his sons and one of his loyal soldiers. The man who views pornography is stunned one day to face the reality that he has become one who is sexually abusive to others. The parents who present a perfect Christian image publicly are stunned one day when their children abandon the faith because they are legalistic control freaks. The girl whose identity is wrapped up in social media is stunned to wake up one day with no meaningful relationships in her life. And you can think of other concrete examples, people you know. So in chapter four, we have a contrast. We have the father who received wisdom from his father, followed it, embraced it, passed it on, no regrets, and the wicked who turned aside from the right way to pursue wickedness, and they suffer the consequences. So now we lead, we come to a third way we guard our hearts. We guard our hearts by watching carefully what comes out. So we've talked about watching what goes in. We've talked about monitoring the heart, watching what, knowing what is going on in our hearts, treasuring wisdom the whole time. But now we have to watch what, what comes out. As we've seen, we have to protect our hearts from the world, but we also have to protect the world from our hearts. So this is what we see starting in verse 20. He says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, above all else, above all of these imperatives and commands and examples, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Literally, from it flow the springs of life. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Keep, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So the focus here is what is coming out of our hearts, what, what happens as a result of what our hearts want. So these verses give us two reasons why, two things that this means. So the first reason why we should guard our hearts, because everything we do flows from it. Your heart is behind everything you do. Everything you do is because of something you want. Now, you may not want to want it, but you want it, and desire drives every choice you make, okay? Um, you may have conflicting desires. The greater desire will win, okay? You desire to rest. You desire to work. Which, which wins? Well, hopefully mind and conscience and other faculties begin to speak into that decision, but ultimately it's, it's desire. You are not a brain on a stick, okay? You are a creature that is not just full of thoughts, but full of desires and choices with a will and a conscience and a mind. Um, the heart is at the root of all of it. So guard your heart because everything you do flows from your heart, from what you want. A second reason we should guard our hearts is because your heart can want the wrong things and can deceive you. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says, The heart 
is deceitful. Read it from ESV. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? See, we have trouble understanding our own hearts. Our hearts will tell us something is good and it can deceive us. That's why the Bible never tells you to listen to your heart. It tells you to speak to your heart. Psalm 4, uh, it's translated, some translations meditate in your heart, but it's literally speak to your heart. I have to speak to my heart and, you know, tell it to shut up <laughs> sometimes. You, you, you have to have a healthy distrust of what you want and, and checking your motives for a decision made. Okay? So beware because your own heart can deceive you. Um, it was a tragedy back in the, in the 1980s. Gordon MacDonald had written a great book called Ordering Your Private World. I, I really enjoyed that book. And it came to light later that during the writing of that book, he was having an affair, which is just so tragic. But MacDonald, um, as, as other celebrity religious failures were prone to do, he, he just said, uh, yeah, this is true. Um, I was exhausted and my heart deceived me. And as for ministry, God knows where to find me. And he and his wife went and worked on their marriage for a couple of years. Uh, just the, the honesty in that. My heart deceived me. No, no shifting of blame, no dishonesty about what happened. And that's, that's, that's what happened with him. That's, that's where we have to be. Jesus says it in Matthew 15. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Some of these are things we do. Some of these are things we say. But they are there in the heart. And our heart may be pushing us this direction. And you, you have to guard your heart to keep those things from getting out. And to displace them with wisdom. And it can happen. There is victory. You're not meant to live in bondage or in fear. Now... The second thing guarding our heart means is simply watching what we say. So, well, that's the first thing it means, right? So guarding, as it says here in these verses, that guarding what comes out means first watching what we say. It means thinking before you speak. It means making sure that everything you say, even in a hard conversation where it has to be direct and there, there are difficult words, you, you just think ahead and be sure that whatever you say honors the Lord. You remember Jesus' statement that I mentioned a minute ago. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Fill your heart with wisdom and with truth. Pray that comes out in love, kindness, honesty, and wisdom. Guarding what comes out also means watching the direction of your life. Verses 26 and 27 talk about the eyes and the feet. And the heart drives the eyes and the feet. They drive the eyes to see where to go and the feet to take us there. So. Our eyes take us places, our feet, our eyes see places we want to go, look closer to watch things that will hinder, hinder us along the way, but our feet take us there. So he is saying watch the eyes, watch the feet, mostly watch the heart because the heart is going to direct the eyes, what you want, the destination you want, it's going to direct your feet, your daily choices that get you there. So watch over the direction of your lives. Remember, above all, Guard your hearts, for from it flow the springs of life. Everything you do flows from this. Now, centuries after this was written, Jesus Christ was speaking to a group of people, 
said to a crowd in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Some commentators suggest that Proverbs 4 was behind this statement. Again, I'm convinced Jesus read the Proverbs. Maybe he read a chapter every day, according to the day of the month. He didn't. Those numbers weren't there when he was on earth. <laughs> so, but, he, you know, he inspired them all. So, hey, I'm, okay, different sermon. So, but I, I think that's intriguing to think about, that this was the Proverbs 4, watching the heart, because then Jesus says, come and drink, drink of me. As the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within you. If you want a, a wise heart, come to Jesus. If you want a satisfied heart, come to Jesus. If you want a cleansed heart, come to Jesus. If you want a cycle of destruction broken, come to Jesus. Drink deeply of him, focus on him, trust him, fix your hope and faith and love completely on him, receive him, receive his love, his wisdom, his truth, his power into your life. Renounce yourself, drink deeply of him. Maybe you have failed to guard your heart. You may think, oh, you know, I wish I had heard this when I was a child or wish I had heard those voices. Remember those voices who tried to teach me and I rejected that and, and I'm paying a fool's price today. You need to know that in Christ there is forgiveness. You need to know that a cycle can be broken, that a new beginning is possible. So come to Christ. He will, <clears throat> he will give you the way forward. This is the good news that... Like the Father in today's passage, we've received, believed, and we pass on to you with no regrets. Jesus has died and risen. Death is conquered. Forgiveness and freedom and life are possible. They are possible to everyone who's willing to renounce themselves and put their hope in Christ. And that's the purpose of communion, the Lord's Supper that we're about to take. It is a time for us to come to him and in eating the bread and drinking the fruit of the vine, we reaffirm that our faith and hope and love in this life and the life to come are in Christ and in Christ alone. But we must guard our hearts, friends. Guard your hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these moments together before your word. I pray you'll seal into our hearts the things that are worth keeping. As we transition to communion, I pray that this will be a time of worship and reflection for us, that you will refocus our, our attention, our hope, faith, and love on you. Please, we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um.